Hey guys, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter. Hope you're having a great day. And yes, I know this is a little weird. I'm recording this intro on my cell phone, if you're watching on YouTube. But um, as usual, things are a little crazy here before a big trip. I'm leaving for Mexico in a day or two. And um, so, all my camera gear is packed away. So anyway, um, this week I have a cool episode with my buddy, Robert Hupman. Robert is a friend here in Virginia. We actually recorded this one in person in my home studio. So if you get a chance, go over to YouTube and check it out. Um, But Robert is a small business owner. He runs a poultry farm, actually. Uh, He's a landowner, owns um, a bunch of land out here in the mountains of Virginia. Um, He's a western hunter and, and an eastern hunter as well. So we have a great conversation. And not only that... But uh, my friend, who is a gentleman farmer here in Virginia, is also running for the Virginia State Senate, um, and that will be next year. So that would be really interesting to have him on, because this is the type of people that I think we need in politics, um, you know, business owners, outdoorsmen, these kind of people, not these career politicians that are kind of running us into the dirt right now. Um, so... Anyway, enjoy this episode. He's a mutual friend of mine and Ryan Muncie's. That's how we met. He's also a, um, a jiu-jitsu coach. So really interesting guy um, and a good friend. So hope you guys enjoy this conversation. And uh, I'll probably be in Mexico or on my way to Salt Lake City for the expo while you're listening to this. So we will return to normal podcast uh, soon, but I hope you guys enjoy this one. If you're headed to the expo, shoot me a DM. Let's connect while we're there and, um, looking forward to seeing you guys. I'll be around all weekend. So enjoy this episode with Robert and, uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is the first time recording in person in the home studio. So this is my buddy Robert Hupman. So hey guys, thanks for coming out, man. I appreciate um, you having me. Yeah, man. Um, so we were just talking about antelope hunting, and so Robert um, owns some land um, about what an hour from here or so. Yeah, an yeah. hour, hour and ten minutes. What county is that in? So it'd be Warren County. Warren County, okay. Yeah. So some beautiful land out in the mountains of Virginia, um, Appalachian Mountains. And so if you listened to the podcast a while ago with Ryan Muncy, I linked up with Robert through uh, Ryan because um, when I moved here, I was looking for a place to shoot my rifle because it's not easy to find a place to no. <laughs> shoot long range in Virginia. So not at all. I started just asking around to people, and, and Ryan knew Robert. How did you guys meet? Uh, through a good friend of mine, Scott Dolly. Okay. Um, he's a manual therapist and just like guru of the human body. And yeah, he works with a lot of uh, high-end athletes from okay. Ben Greenfield. He does uh, Runga and a couple other events or with, with uh, Ben Greenfield. And he's been on his podcast and Ryan's podcast. And, cool. Uh, works with NFL players and stuff too. Cool. So, yeah, I knew anybody <laughs> that was friends with Ryan is probably a quality individual. So, <laughs> Oh, he's, he's one of my best friends for sure. And yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. I, and that's like, I love just trying to surround myself with like, you know, um, good people, but also people who have ambition and drive and want to do cool stuff like yourself and Ryan. And, um, 
So it's just good to network with those kind of people, you know? Yeah, I think that's that's how we better ourselves is creating that yeah, network and, for sure. and, and finding like-minded individuals. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, I was putting the feelers out looking for a place to shoot, and Robert um, graciously um, extended the invitation as it come out there and actually even did some work to clear a range and yeah. went out there and uh, got that thing pretty good. I think it's no, killing. No, it's, I think you're good to get <laughs> I don't like shooting far anyway, so if I can get like inside of three, that's the best in my yeah. opinion. So, chip shots. Yeah, man. So, um, so yeah, just tell like you know I know a little bit about you. I don't know a ton about you because you know most of the time that we spent together, we just kind of been shooting and stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, I know I think your family goes back for a long time in Virginia. So, yeah. but just tell me a little bit about like your family, your history, and kind of like your land and all that stuff. Yeah. So you know we. Grew up on the Shenandoah River. We're on the South Fork of that. So you got the South and North Fork. So when you're driving your property, that river right there, that's the Shenandoah? That's, that's the South Fork of the Shenandoah. It starts okay. at Port Republic up in Rockingham County. And then the other part, the North Fork, is over in the Strasburg, Shenandoah County. And it runs down the Massanutten Mountain. So the mountain okay. that we were on is actually the Massanutten. And then we actually look at the Blue Ridge Mountains where Shenandoah, Shenandoah National Park is. Yeah. Um, and so the end of Massanutten is like, end of Massanutten Mountain is called like something not like Rocky Knob or something? Single Knob. Single Knob, okay. Yeah, you got Because when knob. you go up the, um, we went up to, for like a little picnic with my family the other day up the skyline. Yeah. And right when you kind of first start, you can see that's Mountain Massanutten Mountain across that valley, right? Yep, that's okay. Massanutten. You'll probably see Buzzard Rock is yeah. a very popular. How far are you from the actual Massanutten Ski Resort? Is that, that somewhere else? That, no, that's further south. So that's Rockingham County toward okay. the, it's, uh. Other side of Elkton, so it's in uh, McGackiesville is what it's yeah. actually called. It's about an hour. And so, okay, there's Elkton, and I noticed also there's like an Elk Wallow something up near on Skyline Drive. You think those names are from like back in the day? No, there used yeah, to be there, Elk here? Yeah, there was Elk actually yeah. in Elkton, and then there was, yeah. you know, the eastern species of Elk were, I think the last one was killed off in uh, 1898 or 1900s in Pennsylvania, but they okay. had their own subspecies that we, oh wow, you know, the frontiersmen are they completely rad- gone? Yeah, are they're eradic- The last one was like killed extinct, like, yeah, done. Wow, so we couldn't even bring them back if we, no, you couldn't bring that gene back. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but I always put feelers out there with the um, uh, state politicians and yeah, I think they're pretty receptive on maybe trying to reestablish an elk herd on the George Washington National Forest. Primarily awesome. like Highland and Bath County. Just, okay. Just I picked that area because it's it's only twenty five hundred people in Highland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no crop, you know, real cropland. So yeah. I think the the damage would be minimum. Plus it would give uh, some income to those farmers. Yeah. And that well, I want to hit that later, but let's yeah. let's not get too ahead of ourselves <laughs> here. So tell me a little more about your. Uh, I keep derailing you, but like. Just kind of your family history and the area you're from and all that stuff. Yeah, so 17, you know, we've been there since the 1790s. Wow. Uh, the particular tracks that I'm on, it's about 600 acres. Uh, my great-grandfather bought it from a family member. He owned across the river from where you could see. Where were your ancestors from, do you know? <laughs> um, we were like a melting pot. So the guy part would be English. Okay. Um, he used to joke around with my... Grandmother said her great grandfather would joke around that he would send they sent the the crazies over from England and, and kicked them off and then um, I have some you know my other mom's side they're from Richmond area Ashland uh, they have you know some Italian with uh, Native American okay um, so just the mutt like the rest of us I'm a I'm a, I'm a big mutt <laughs> just know, like all Americans like the Hutmans I guess are from. Uh, 
Nova Scotia or something. I was okay. researching. Cool. I don't really know much about the, like my my namesake, but <laughs> but for the guy in Fristo area, you know, we're pretty German and English probably okay. majority of that. So seventeen ninety. Yeah. Been on that same farm that you live on now. Yeah, the house my aunt lives in is an old log cabin from I think seventeen ninety eight. Wow. Across the river, my cousin owns. They they own a house that was it's could be registered. Um, it's a brick brick and mortar house, and um, it's been there since like I think eighteen ten or something like that. Okay. So. How, how big is is the property? Across the river? No, or? your your property. My, my property is like under six hundred acres. Oh, okay, that's yeah. well, that's sizable. Uh, and then it, it it butts up to the National Forest, correct? Yeah, all George Washington National Forest borders me. It's kind of a, a, a weird track. Uh, the government bought all around us in hopes to buying us out, I think, is uh, kind of how uh, my great-grandmother put it. And we kind of outlast them. And so now nice. the, the, road, the road's been closed. The, the National Forest were misusing their road for years. My grandmother took them to court okay. and um, actually won it. They wrote her a nice letter about apologizing for misusing their road for <laughs> many years. And uh, they no longer have a, a, a easement across us any longer. Okay. So, so we're kind of, you know, nestled in there, one way in, one way out kind of deal. Um, yeah. It's pretty unique. And so, and that's awesome because like <laughs> when you're backed up to public land, it's almost like just more land because yeah. technically you're a public landowner as well. So, and it's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy accessible. You either have to canoe across or you go to Page County or Shenandoah County and come in on the, you know, a fire road access road. Yeah. People do that. Um, so what was it like growing up on in the mountains out there and just on that, all that land? Uh, I, you, I kind of, I guess took it for granted for many years, yeah. but you know, average day would be if, right. You know, get on your four wheeler, go set up and then just like walk the woods and, and, you know, primarily cut your teeth on shooting squirrels. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was about eight. I was probably about eight, eight or seven when my dad cut me loose and let me take my side by side 410 shotgun out. And, <laughs> and I was smoking these squirrels and he cleaned like, I don't know, 20 squirrels that first week. And then he's like, you got to do it your own. And yeah. So like by eight years old, I'm, you know, skinning squirrels, you know, caping out raccoons, doing a little trapping and nice. just kind of fishing and hunting nonstop. When did you uh, start deer hunting? Uh, like seven. Yeah. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> when did you get your first deer? I think I was probably, I was probably about that, that eight years. I, I, or no, I was nine because uh, wow. I bought this shotgun with my 4-H money for my animals because nine years is when you're old enough to show animals. So. Okay, so you won... What animals were you showing? I was showing, uh, you know, beef. At that time, I was showing two pigs, some goats, and some sheep. And That's I, cool. And you won money, and you know, that money you bought well, your... Yeah, the, you auction off for a okay. project. You, you learn the checks and balances, and you do your little book, and then That's you cool, sell man. your product and then pay back your parents for <laughs> loaning food money to you. Okay. And, uh, so I used the profits to buy a uh, side-by-side 410 shotgun. Nice. And, uh, That's cool. Got a lot of, lot you of, shot your first deer with that? Yeah. Okay. Like just buckshot or buckshot. Okay. Yeah. That's cool, man. Was it like, do you remember vividly like the story? What happened? How it happened? It was just uh, just sitting there <laughs> under. Uh, I had an old apple tree out there. Yeah. You, you've seen the spot. I was just where my horse is. Before okay. there was no horse there at the time, and um, the, like by the, the river. Yeah, by the river. Okay. So the deer would come out every evening. I was just set up. I, you know, sit there with my dad. Uh, on the on the fence row just sitting there okay. in the little chair and then That's popped awesome. out about 40 yards and uh <laughs> just 
let them have it. And it was about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. So you had like a really like, um, I don't know, traditional, like agricultural kind of upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, on the farm, dad ran beef cattle. He worked, uh, couple jobs so like when when i was a little younger he transitioned in 89 to do the turkeys which you've seen the turkey yeah, yeah, barns yeah. and so he could quit working down here he worked for uh, william h hazel it's a big uh outfit down here in your area what do uh, they do they do clearing okay. uh prep sites and stuff i mean they're huge they do irrigation road building and stuff yeah uh, hazel's uh big company so he worked for them for like 16 years and then he worked you know additional five years once he started the farm to make sure you know the farms took off enough and then he he quit his job uh down here and okay so that was 89 he started the um turkey. the poultry business so you're still in the poultry business yep. correct yep we're a cooperative now used to be wampler long acre then pilgrims pride for a little bit okay then, uh they dropped us and then the farmers got together and it was a unique uh situation and perfect storm for say bob goodlap <clears throat> helped with some tax credits the power company Shenandoah valley electric cooperative got with it usda came in everybody came together deets and watson put some money up and then us farmers and we we got a cooperative now that's been very successful since 04. so there's a bunch of i guess there's a bunch of poultry yeah. farmers like around you or not uh more uh, rockingham county yeah. uh, Shenandoah. i'm the only poultry farm in warren county okay so are you still pretty involved in the day-to-day -day of the actual yeah yeah i'm in the barns every day yeah yeah what um, kind of stuff are you doing so like mortality you go through in the mornings you'll walk uh up and down the barns pick up any type of did um you check your feed lines water lines um and then you check litter quality and obviously ventilation and check the you know make sure there's no pneumonia i have a traditional barn so it's curtains and they get natural air natural light newer barns are more tunneled so it'll just be um lighting in it and then more uh fans on the end uh, so like do they um do they like reproduce kind of just on their own or is that a really controlled process or it's it's controlled we'll, we'll get our birds from uh, a couple companies like ag forte is the biggest uh that's who we primarily get our hybrids and there's hybrids and nicholas birds. because they're not recreating or reproducing in there you're, no you're no they're them. they're at a hatchery and okay. a hatchery you know they have got you have farms that produce eggs just for those hatcheries and yeah. you can only buy it through a select few and then i guess when they get to a certain age then another company like picks them up and takes them to slaughter or no you we, do we, we we do the slaughter so they'll they'll go out we own our own processing facility in hinton okay and they process probably right now about six million pounds of product a week whoa and it's fresh it's we don't freeze the birds it goes straight from uh farm to table you know within a, a week or two so you kind of go through i guess i'm sure they once they reach a certain age or a certain size then yeah so we grow heavy toms yeah heavy toms uh right now i do a finish only style we have hub farms that start birds from okay. babies so you'll get them the day they're born raise them to five weeks i get them in at five weeks old and i raise them till they're 19. okay and then when they go out they're a 42 pound jake okay and then my company we have our own uh trucks they'll so come all in. males yeah well oh. you'll you'll have hens they just can't they can't do they, do, they try they, to get they do the best they can with sex yeah. sexing them but yeah primarily they'll be all uh majority will be toms yeah but you'll have hens in there and so <laughs> do you own your own processing facility so then um is it 
like does it go into some kind of just national distribution then or like do you sell locally how's it like the that's that that's on the the sales team like i got a couple leads for them right now so they deets and watson's our number one buyer yeah so you know they're they're buying the breast meat for lunch meat and stuff okay, like that okay. um then do we they, have do you sell any like whole bird yeah, like if i wanted one for thanksgiving can i get one from you you you, you could off <laughs> like off my farm if i had one side like it would be a coal bird okay it's <laughs> something i would have to call um, but no, they, they don't really do whole birds. Like they, they'll do enough, pull enough whole per, uh, whole birds for production just to give to the co-op. Okay. So we get a free turkey. <laughs> Is that a whole separate business? Like the whole, like whole bird Thanksgiving kind of deal? Yeah. Or? Yeah. That's primarily, so we're growing heavy toms. You're looking at 42 pounds. So oh, they, yeah, they pull, huge. They, so they pull the hens, the smaller, the hens will be smaller and you'll still get a 32 to 34 pound whole yeah. bird which is you know most ovens can't handle yeah a turkey that size or fryers yeah uh, it kind of like when you said that it didn't really register but that 42 that's a big yeah that's and, a big and I'll, I'll send you some pictures of what the breast meat look like it's just you know ma massive mass they really go for the breast like you kill we, we're out here killing wild turkeys and like I, when i'm cutting cutting their breast out it looks like a deflated yeah <laughs> yeah they look like emaciated compared to yeah to, to their uh their meat but they're getting a lot of good protein we do a soybean uh corn mix yeah sometimes wheat for fillers and they're just you know they're getting the food and water um we have our water systems put in to give perfect ph level for them and they just make it more desirable for yeah. them to drink and healthier for them and it's really they're just eating and drinking tons of food i mean one flock will eat like 2.2 million pounds of feed oh in like a 13 week period dang man so they're, that's they're crushing crazy. and that's 20 22,000 birds so i mean you, that's a huge operation just getting all that feed in there yes a lot of a lot of feed truck visits <laughs> they go up that little dirt road yep. and the big trucks go up there i guess yeah or? yeah when they come and pick them up they'll pick them up a 53 foot go by your aunt's house two yeah. miles an hour and everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rattling the cages <laughs> oh, that's cool man that's that's have you ever like see like uh get like a random wild tom come in there and like kind of check it out and like fight him or anything <laughs> yeah i just got pictures of a couple uh wild turkeys um cleaning out pulling all the litter out and the uh, wild turkeys are climbing up in the turkey just litter. Like, like what's going on they're just over there just chilling around the barn i got a couple hens there right now when i left that's that funny. was just wild turkeys but i've had a whole uh whole flock of wild turkeys come up gobble yeah during springtime, right. and then they're got you know ten thousand birds at one time are gobbling back and forth. I bet they're and, like, "What is going on?" And they're just like firing <laughs> back and forth. So it's some pretty cool stuff you see. <laughs> is it a good hunting spot right there by the turkeys? It, yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of wild turkeys. You know, I've been doing a deer management and pretty much wildlife management for the yeah. last fourteen years. Okay. So you know, we really, you know, I want quality quality animals. It's really not about killing every year for me obviously, yeah. obviously we, we're at that point we do that but um just want quality healthy animals yeah well that's a good segue so um have you seen you know you've been on that farm since i guess since you were born um how old are you now do you mind if i ask 36 okay um so have you seen the deer herd like how has the deer and the turkey herd changed since you were a kid um or has it I don't, you know, I don't think I really noticed it. Now the quality of, uh, the past 14 years, now the quality of mature bucks being, being yeah. harvested compared to, 
like now we can ride and you'll see those like that picture I sent you of the bachelor herd. Yeah. You'll see nice bachelor herds of bucks and and not to say there wasn't 150, 180 class bucks back in the 80s. Yeah. There, well, you know they were there, but um, you know the this wishing and praying that there's going to be a 180 inch buck um, kind of goes out the window if you're you're constantly shooting those. Yeah. One year old, two year old little scrub eight points. And, right. And not to take away from it, if that's a trophy for whoever that, you yeah. know, I, I kind of had walked that fine line. I went from, I've evolved pretty quick over the years from yeah. that. Initially, I was like, I don't want to shoot nothing unless it's three and a half year old. But then I had to educate myself to be a better at um, knowing what a three and a half year old buck was and a four year. And then to expect, you know, my dad's buddies since he's passed away and, you know, we keep that same type of core hunting group um, to, to, tell them what a three and a half year old buck is to a five year old, you know, it's, it's probably impossible. And yeah. so I kind of over the years mimicked some of the Southampton, Virginia, where like I consider my uncle Rusty um, Hancock, he's down there. He mounts all my deer for me and they kill, you know, gorgeous hammer bucks down there on those. Yeah. Um, There's a big beans on those beans. And uh, he, you know, I kind of mimic some of their hunt clubs, like one and you're done or, or, whatever yeah. but I, I i just my goal was to not alienate other hunters and that's yeah. something you know coming up uh you know that that's why i do the youth hunts and the veteran hunts yeah and past eight eight years to nine years has just been a goal of mine to introduce anywhere from six to now it's like 15 and my goal is 15 new hunters oh okay to the to the outdoors and i'm talking like older you know friends i do jujitsu with that are from the city that never had an opportunity or knows anyone how to hunt and then just giving them the tools to you know go out on their own and start hunting so yeah something i'm i'm passionate about um because our numbers are depleting by the by the, the years. hunter numbers you mean yeah hunter yeah. hunters and just you know there's no hunting there's no conservation absolutely so, so um because where you are in the mountains, you know, versus like a, like a Southampton County or yeah. like where I'm coming from and where I was in Chesapeake, like, um, and other like agricultural areas, the deer densities are just naturally lower. Um, do you, like, how, is that the case on your property as well? Or is um, it, since I mean, you kind of got a river bottom right there, is it not as... It's tough hunting. Like, yeah. um, the, you know, you can go in the woods and you know, watching like Steve Ranella or whatever on Meat Eater and, you know, growing up and seeing the Pennsylvania herds, like you'll go hunting and then, like three days in, you'll be like, oh, I've seen a deer. <laughs> You're just happy <laughs> to see a deer. And you go to Southampton and Chesapeake area and you'll go out every evening in the fields yeah. and you'll see 50 or 60 right. deer at times. Uh, same in Texas. Texas is just the mecca of having yeah. tons of deer. So, uh, yeah, my herd is way better now because I can almost guarantee you we're going to see a deer every time we go out in the woods. Not, it's not going to be a shooter every time, right? Yeah. But uh, just having that, and then the buck to doe ratio that I've really created there, yeah. it's 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 awesome. You know, it's like your baby. Yeah, it, it's you, cool to be able to like like manage a piece like a piece of land, see how it's changing over year over year, and see like the you know the fruits of your efforts and stuff. No, it's it's very rewarding, and I, I get more off taking uh, new hunters and like, you know, like, yeah. you know, Ryan come out and seems he, he, you know, he had opportunity to shoot a really big bug. Didn't work out <laughs> yeah, for him, <laughs> but that's honey. Weapon so, malfunction. Yeah. So he's, it's funny. Cause like that, <laughs> the same, I just put an antelope video out like not long ago and he was shooting the same gun. My cousin was shooting yep. handed down from my, his grandfather. <laughs> same thing. First three times he pulls the trigger, 
Because he hadn't yeah. shucked that shell in. Well, the, the, old, the old trick is with the pumps is like I got a 270 pump yeah. and, and a 30 out six like that. You always keep that forward pressure on that gun. Okay. Yeah. And that's 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 the trick of the trade. Yeah. Like you'll get to where you didn't really shuck it, but if you had that forward pressure, your gun goes off. Gotcha. So even just that little micro adjustment yeah. with those pumps. So Muncie, <laughs> Ryan Muncie, our friend, missed a huge buck with the same gun that my cousin almost missed that antelope on in the video because it's just known for you have to really hit that thing hard but. and to be fair it wasn't a miss it's just a True. miss, miss right. opportunity for yeah Ryan. i didn't miss it yeah <laughs> so <laughs> ryan's like man <laughs> but uh um, where were we i took us off i took us off the trail um, no we're still on the the um managing managing the herd the do you do any food plots and stuff yeah so i do you know like the, or are there things you can do to um because everyone says oh you know mountains deer densities are low is there anything as a landowner that you can do to try to increase your actual size of your deer herd or your, you know your density of deer? I think it's just you know initially, if you want more does, obviously you're gonna let deer go. Yeah. So like you know you might have to sacrifice a year to really focus on letting those animals go and letting them self populate. Yeah. Because obviously you can, you kill the deer, but if you you allow if you're killing 20, 20 or thirty off your property every year, you you just spent one year and let them re reproduce and re procreate. Yeah, you know you're you're going to double that herd. So you know obviously, and it's always good. Like Virginia has a <laughs> good program, a DMAT program where they can depending on what you want to do with your deer herd on your property. The state can help you assist you, and oh, then, cool. then you you'll do pull data for them, jaw bones. And, yeah, my old hunt club we used to do that. Yeah, so you can get into that if you have a smaller piece of property. You know, you just got to trust in that process that I'm gonna let this deer go, and yeah. then I'm gonna uh, build it from there. But for for mountain land, I, I think I have a really good herd. You know, everybody gets enough meat because you know all my hunters are meat meat eaters. Yeah, and uh, they you know they're not. What you know, they're not wealthy in that that sense. So you know, a lot of our diet consists of yeah, not you know, they can't afford beef. So we're we're going to stock up our freezer and you know, sure. and they have a kid and and it's just you know they'll kill their two. So right now I'm doing kind of like a, a a trophy buck. We have cold bucks now. I can identify cold bucks. I have tons of cameras out. So I kind of put a little hit list up for <laughs> sh shoot on site <laughs> and then. Uh, <laughs> And, and they're great for the kids too, if you can get them on them. And I kind of just, you know, two per, two two does and one buck, kind of kind of the cool. ratio we're doing right now. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally, you know, if it's a trophy to you, I don't really, sh it went from like trying to there, but I'd rather them shoot a spike yeah, than shoot that three year old or that yeah. two and a half year old buck. You know, by the time they're three and a half, that's a trophy for anyone. Yeah. You know, in our area where we grew up, where you're just used to seeing these little scrub bucks and you see a nice mainframe year and a half, two and a half year old because they're getting good, you know, getting good quality food from the food plots I put out on the river bottoms. Yeah. Or I put, you know, little micro uh, pinch points up there on the, in the mountains, all yeah. the little cleared areas where half acre little spots for them to kind of go in and eat. And then also I, I create deer sanctuaries similar to. Gotcha. Where there's you know no riding through with ATVs or anything low pressure, yeah. Kind of just you know let them be deer, yeah. In, in a safe environment. Is the um, is the turkey the same and starting far as as far as like um, less dense than maybe some flatland areas or is your turkey herd pretty good? 
Man, there's, we have tons of turkey this year, and we're going to have a phenomenal uh, spring gobbler season nice. this year. There's, you know, at least, you know, eight or ten flocks, big flocks of turkeys we had that made it. A lot of babies made it through. We do have, you know, a coyote issue, which most people do, but um, I couldn't tell this year. It was just a really cool. good year for them. I think the cicadas helped out. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> a lot I feel of like it was a pretty wet um i don't know I've, it seems like a really good acorn year this year is that the case of your, where you're at yeah and they, and they you know there's old almanac sayings for the acorn we, we we're primarily all hardwoods okay. so you know these these deer are getting groves and groves of white white oak black oak chestnut oak i mean there's tons of uh you know probably 85 percent to 90 percent of the woods are all hardwoods where i'm at yeah so they're producing food for them there as well. I think acorns, I've always heard like sometimes if it's a wet year, acorns will be good. I also heard if it's a dry year. So hmm. I, yeah, I I'm, not, I'm not very familiar on the uh, on that aspect. But right now it looks like it's going to be a good year. The The turkey population's probably, I mean, we, I don't see why you couldn't go up there and kill 20, 20 longbeards this year. Wow. That's which cool. is pretty, pretty cool for a mountain yeah mountain style i bet it's beautiful too in the spring yeah and then you know you're rolling up and you're always trying to pick out up high or down low and obviously you want to be on high ground for a turkey but uh yeah sometimes it don't work out that way <laughs> yeah. you'll fly off and go two ridges over and oh, that's cool man and then what about um do you have a decent black bear population or black bear has it, it actually exploded compared to what i mean it was unheard of when i growing up of yeah. someone killing a black bear up there and then now so I, I talked to the people at, um, in the Shenandoah Park. <laughs> I talked to one of the rangers the other day, and she said at one point there was two black bears in Shenandoah National Park. Yep. And now they're like a lot. No, there's tons. <laughs> and then they, I, they'll re. I think that that helped. And then when they were relocating, they in Pennsylvania, break, right? They'll just drop them off there on the national park. Yeah. And that's I think they did that for a while. Front Royal is really bad for dumpster bears. Oh really? So like if you come through Chrysler before you get on Skyline Drive, because we're the gateway, we're the beginning of Skyline Drive. <laughs> there's these bears that have no fear, and they'll be uh, three three hundred plus pound bears. Oh my gosh! Just in the dumpsters at the the. Uh, apartment complex yeah. on the back side so do you bear hunt out your place or yeah yeah, yeah we bear hunt i've uh killed one decent one around 300 pound range uh and then I, how do you guys hunt them do you I, pounds I, or still I, hunt them? I still hunt yeah um I, I keep them on camera the higher ridges they they stay active uh actively moving and it's just kind of luck of the draw they come in or sometimes to the food plots sometimes you know they just bear they I don't know how many for when I first started putting game cams out like eight years ago, nine years ago, and really got into it. The bears just ripped my game cams up. Yeah, but past six years, knock on wood, they haven't messed with them. So <clears throat> primarily, still hunt. I know a good friend of mine. He has an outfitting business, Double Spur Outfitters. He oh, cool. Has a nice campground there on in Star Tannery, Virginia, outside. Uh, it's like Frederick and Shenandoah, but Cedar Creek. He has a bunch of trout fishing. And he does trout fishing there, but he runs bear dogs. Okay. Um, so occasionally I'll get the bear hunters that'll come through. I'm 600 acres in the middle of oasis for the bear. So I think with, with the pressures of the bear dogs hunting other areas on George Washington National Forest, like yeah. Elizabeth Furnace and Milford Gap and Beaches Gap, they push these bears on us naturally. Yeah. Um, and you know, unfortunately they, 
you know, I, I like I like Levi. He did it in the respectful way. You know, dogs came over on us. We chatted and kind of hit it off. I've had other bear hunters that just felt entitled, right, um, to stroll in on your property and think they're gonna you're gonna let them shoot a bear. And I'm like, well, no law is you walk up and get your dogs and then you leave. Yeah. And uh, as a landowner, I kind of walk that fine line because I'm I'm here for you know the common man hunting on you know. A, big hunting on Sundays advocate just because you know working man it's they only get one day and it's right that extra day means a lot and then also just hunting national forests like I get a lot of requests where I'm at and yeah. I'm like I'm obligated at a hunt club and then for me to to do it a little different that's why I do like youth days and and, and stuff like that but bear bear dogs uh it's it's awesome if you're on a hunt you know hunting with those dogs uh with the bears are particularly cool like my Uncle Rusty down in Southampton, he's got some yeah. incredible bear dogs. So they hunt North Carolina, and then he goes. Yeah, uh, there's some big bears down up there. Up in man. Covington, on the West Virginia line in Virginia, and they hunt big bear up there. Yeah, but we had some big ones in Chesapeake. Even, <laughs> oh like, yeah, right you guys Chesapeake. kill some monster, and he's yeah. got the only bear dogs in that you know area of Southampton. And okay, they kill some big. Um, ones. So yeah, tell me a little bit about your uh, your hunter recruitment kind of project thing. You got the, what's what's the name of it? Um, or do you have a name? Or? It's just, uh, it's Hazard Mill Youth Day. Okay. I call it Hazard Mill Farms Youth Day. Uh, partnered with uh, BAO, which is Black American Outdoorsmen. Uh-huh. Great group of uh, men and women that, you know, love the outdoors, they're passionate about. My best friend TJ, you know, he's in management in that that organization. Hit it off. I, You know, I tried to do a couple other, like, groups here and there, and no one was real serious about it. And I said, hey, TJ, I want to want to help with this project, uh, would you guys be interested? And the goal was to introduce six kids to the great outdoors, take them out hunting. And the only requirement was is these kids had zero, you know, zero opportunity, yeah. zero information on how to hunt, fish, anything. That's awesome. And how, like how old are the kids? Five and up usually. Okay. But, uh, you know, we have about an 80% harvest success rate. So it's nice. really cool. Uh, generally, the success rate's a little lower for the five, couple five-year-olds that done it. <laughs> five is young. Is <laughs> you it a one-day hunt or? It's a two-day hunt. Okay. We do uh, Saturday. They come in on Friday, which will be not this fr- not this weekend, but the following weekend. Oh, cool. They'll come in Friday. Last year, we partnered with Levi with Double Spur Outfitters. He allowed his trout stream to be used by the kids. So a few kids showed up, and I think the adults were bigger kids trying to catch trout. <laughs> so we went over to his place, which uh, was awesome. Caught some trout. Then uh, Saturday we wake up. They camp out with their family. Cool. Wake up. We'll do a, a gun safety intro. And uh, what's great about TJ and them, they'll fundraise. They get the funds and then they get the kids decked out. So they'll get oh, all nice. their hunting gear from boots, coveralls, pants, shirts, the whole nine. Nice. They'll get they'll get decked out to the gills in their outfits. They'll do a little presentation. Give all the kids their stuff. We'll do the demo. Usually either my friend's chief of police or one of my NRA instructor friends will come out <clears throat> do that. Last year we added uh, one of their members. She came out, she does uh, archery instruction as well. Oh, so cool. she taught the kids how to shoot the bows and awesome, uh, awesome time the kids had and looked to keep building it. But they'll do a, we'll go up, shoot up my shooting range, not the one in the woods, but close to my house at Shell Pit. They'll get familiar with the weapons. What kind of weapons do they? Oh, uh, they use my all my. I got tons of youth youth rifles. I bought for. Okay. <laughs> it's like I see a kid, and I just buy a bunch of I have a bunch of youth rifles from when I was younger, 
and then just just mainly for this hunt when cool. i'm like 350 legends or 450 nice. bushmasters bolt action yeah. ruger short um anywhere from a 30 30 and depending on the kid size they'll get the you know a little hot, bigger calibers they'll get they'll shoot get on paper we'll make them confident and um, i'll do that portion of it and then uh, us, a couple of my buddies that hunt on the property, I use them as guides. Nice. And then some of the BOA staff, they'll go out, and then we just cook for them and take That's them out, cool, and they'll hopefully. so they'll hunt like Saturday evening, evening and then Sunday and, morning. Yep. Okay. And then uh, you know, we'll whichever first one to harvest, I'll break it down and I'll butcher it for them and show them how to do it. Show them. That's how to super cool, out. man. That's a really cool thing. You said that's uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah, that's... next weekend. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's cool, man. I'd love to come out and just check it out sometime and maybe yeah. get some footage or something. Now that would, that would be awesome to get them some, uh, some limelight, just, yeah. uh, maybe other people, just, just it, as long as we can inspire, you know, other landowners to kind of yeah. <laughs> open up. Cause it's a little different. You, uh, you, you become friends with someone and be like, okay, bring your boy out and we're going to go hunting. Yeah. That's usually how it happens. But I was like, man, we really need to, you know. I got kids coming from North Carolina, from Atlanta, Georgia, oh, wow. New Jersey. Yeah. And then I keep a couple local kids as well yeah. on that list. And then. And I mean, it's hard enough for like, you know, in the South, Southeast, um, there's not a ton of public land opportunity. No. And so it's hard enough even as like an adult to find a place to hunt. If you're a kid and you're not, you don't want to hunt and like your dad's not like really into it or something, or you don't have a dad, like you're pretty much like, no, you're, you're out of luck. Unless you really do your research, and then, I mean, it's years of frustrating, yeah. you know. Going to landowner is very intimidating, for one. Oh, yeah. If you luck out and actually find a private private piece of property you can hunt, it, it I, I recognize that, and I know, you know, public land hunting, I do hunt public land. Yeah. Granted, some of it's bordering me, but it it's, it's hard. And then if they know how to approach it, or just give them that bug, give them that inspiration, yeah. be like, man, I really enjoyed hunting, or I really, you know... Yeah. want to hunt for my own food and yeah just having the confidence of like, <clears throat> okay i've i at least know where to start you know yeah. and then you can kind of go from there and learn on your own as you go yeah because like the, the kids are coming from atlanta I mean, they're coming from atlanta yeah like, there's nowhere to hunt <laughs> yeah. atlanta for them so like their grandmother is bringing them up they she brought two of their grandbabies last year and she's bringing two that's more awesome up. man and uh well that's really cool you do that no it's uh it's awesome. I, yeah. I love that. I do a veteran hunt as well. I hope to expand that. As, I don't know, man. We just feel like more we can do, just a little here and there. Yeah, ways was, to give back. Yeah, I'm blessed to have that property, and I'm more inclined to help people that have zero uh, opportunities and, and, and just you know expand them. Yeah, but. that's cool, man. Um, so, and then, you know, you're involved in that and some other kind of community stuff. And uh, so, and I know that you got a political race coming up, huh? Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. What inspired you? Tell tell me what you're doing, and then tell what inspired you to get into that. Well, I'm running for Virginia State Senate. Nice. And then, uh, maybe uh, it's a newly formed District One with these uh, moving of the lines. Okay. <laughs> so there's no incumbent. Wide open seat. Oh, okay. I didn't, okay. So, so when did they redo the redistricting? Last year. Okay. So they redistrict everything for 2023. They moved my good friend, uh, Congressman Ben Klein, uh, up to Winchester area now. Okay. We were the cutoff in Warren, but now they, he took uh, Winchester and Clark County, which those folks in Frederick County are uh, 
not all of them, but the 75% Republicans are very excited about having a yeah. Republican uh, representing them opposed to uh, Wexton or whatever her name was. Is she, she, Wexton's a Democrat, right? <laughs> yeah. And then the guy, just to get off, so the guy running against her is this guy Hung Cao, right? Yeah. Um, he seems like a pretty good dude. Man, he's 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 phenomenal. He's a Vietnam, or not Vietnam vet, but he's, he's Vietnamese. A, he's a Vietnamese, but he's an Iraq War vet. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah, and that that guy is a rock star, man. Yeah, he, he's on point. Uh, I'm really excited about that race. I know Yunkin uh, has been out helping her, him, and Vega. Yeah, um, the other uh, lady that's smart as a. I mean, we got some really good candidates. <laughs> it's a really exciting year for at least the Republican Party. I mean, yeah. we had Rich Anderson out from RVP. Speaking at a, uh, I had a pig roast for my, I'm the chairman of the Warren County Republicans as well. Okay. And he came out and spoke on it and it's just, uh, we got some momentum going. Yeah, yeah. And uh, hopefully the right direction um, <laughs> for for the Commonwealth. Yeah. And uh, we take back, get this house back and worry about getting this back. I know there's, I'm a member of the Hunter, uh, Hunter Nation as well, a lifetime member. So I know they were really focusing on 20 congressional districts that they can flip, you know, us hunters. Yeah. And that's, that's a really cool, uh, program. And I encourage anybody that listens to the podcast that are, that's an outdoorsman hunter. <laughs> I think it was like 60% of all hunters don't vote or it was, wow. it was a crazy high number huh. where we need to pay attention. And, and really that's a, that's a great program. Ted Nugent's one of their top spokesmen, uncle Ted. Uh, <laughs> he's an awesome guy, but they, they, uh, it, it's just a, it's a great program. A lot of hunting uh, industries backing that, and we're able to create a pack and put money behind you know outdoor candidates and people that have our you know interest and in yeah. pursuit of happiness and, and life and all that yeah. good stuff. But but yeah, so I'm running for state senate, district one. There's you know right now I think there's like eight other Republicans seeking okay. that nomination. Yeah. So you know I'm kind of in coast mode till after this first year. I, I feel that. Uh, I'm doing meet and greets and chatting, and it's really great community support. I'm, I'm really tied in with the community. I'm, I think I sit on three different nonprofit boards throughout wow. there, from Habitat for Humanity to Thermal Shelter, uh, House of Hope, which is a men's shelter to help get men back on their feet that are working, um, and then some other uh, uh, Reaching Out Now, which helps kids find their way in school. So you know, we you know we're faith a little faith based with it, but it's it's open to all. And it's just kind of giving the kids directions whether they're what type of why they're going to college if they're going to college you know yeah not discouraging trades or anything but sure. you know it's just it's a great program it started out as they started that and then COVID hit yeah and it was a feeding program where we were providing like 189 to 200 meals uh, per week wow. to families that you know needed food yeah and uh, kids that went to school and stuff so it was a cool program there being a farmer. My, my thing is I believe everyone should be able to eat. We're in a, the greatest country in the world. Yeah. And there's no reason we can't at least feed and house, you know, the, the, the poor poverty level. And granted, sure. you, know, you got to work to eat, but there's, sure. we make enough uh, to, to give back to create, yeah. create areas to help people. And, yeah, and I'm excited for you because, um, you know, obviously I like you, you're a good guy, but also just, you know, I think that, um, the political landscape in America was designed for, I mean, it was really designed for guys like you, like, you know, um, like guys like Je Jefferson, who were like gentlemen, Virginian farmers, you know? Yeah. Um, that, uh, 
decided to, you know, that they were involved with the community and wanted to give back. And um, so I think, you know, I think it's great that you're running, um, excited for you. And I think that we need more guys like you in office. So, but what like inspired you to kind of want to do that? Because it's it's like like I told you before, my dad yeah. was in the Virginia State Senate, so I know that it's a big time and financial commitment. It's not easy. It's work, you know. And so, what you know, what, what made you want to do that? It's it's pretty much just the the political landscape at the moment, and you know, you kind of we're, I'm fed up. I'm probably speaking <laughs> for most of everyone out here that just a solid blue collar background, or just you know, just. Our values are always under attack. We're always apologizing for stuff. You know, we, we need to, I wish it was as easy as I ran for, I, I was in there for four years and I could be like, hey, uh, it's your turn yeah. <laughs> and hand it or, or ha, you know, inspire. You know, I think we need to, you know, I thought about creating a pack just to help financially support blue collar uh, individuals, mothers, fathers, truck drivers. What, you know, we need to get back to, some common sense based policies and it's just not everything's overlooked everything's uh demonized i guess in in the media even you know even fox news can be at blame to poke the bear but i think if if we just go back to common sense putting policies out there that is in black and white we can read it it would stop the any type of division i just went across the country everybody talked to is really pleasant you know, went through nine different states, and it's just not the way media personifies oh, yeah. it. It's just, it's so that's kind of what I wanted to bring that that even kill. I want more community leaders to get involved. Yes, yeah. it's, it's not time for career politicians. It's not, it, I, you know, what like them or not, Trump Trump did kind of break down that that barrier that was, you know, the elitist and right. You know how you, know, you look at it, you, you, most of these kids or pages and they, you know, they, right. they're, they're, the gro- they, they are groomed, yeah. groomed to be a politician, yeah. like it or not. And, mm-hmm. and there's always that. And I'm sure your dad shook it up <laughs> a little bit, yeah. you know? So I think more business owners, entrepreneurs, just, just people in general need to, yeah, totally. you, you got to step up and stop some of these policies that be coming through. I think uh, locality, we had issues. So Warren County was part of one of the, the largest EDA scandal in the country. It's like $19 million came up missing. Our sheriff, uh, former sheriff, and a bunch of other officials were involved. Um, so it was real messy there back in 19 or 18, 2018, 19. Um, I was friends with some of these people. And, you know, some of them got caught up in this, this scandal. And um, things happened. Well, $19 million came up missing. The EDA director, you know, she's still running around. But... They did arrest her. Now there's all these indictments. So finally, justice is being served and recouping money um, after four years. <laughs> was it somebody just skimming off the top? Just... No, it was the EDA director was writing receipts out, forging receipts, just giving money to What's family. What's EDA? Economic development. Okay. And uh, they they do like loans for businesses. Like there's an EDA here and, and anywhere your counties, localities. And there's a, they give out loans for businesses essentially. So they... They had a, a, you know, IT Federal was the, the, the big gimmick, and they were going to take over. But was it, was it just that one lady that just basically stole $19 million bucks? Not just her. It was family members. Like, she would be like, oh, oh you're my family. And then uh, the sh- they 
created LLCs and bought up land, and then they resold land and wow. laundered money that Dang. way. So it was, it's huge. You can, they can, you can look it up. Front Royal Virginia EVA scandal, just a bunch of stuff on it. Wow. So just seeing that type of corruption at a lo local level, a lot of uh, board supervisor members and, and and localities, I think there's some laws we need to change there. Yeah. Just just general, trying to clean stuff up. Yeah, man. Let me just make sure my battery's doing right or just for me. Yeah, we're good. Um, so, so the other thing that I think is cool about you is um, I think there's like more than meets the eye to you. You know, I think like some people might do, like see you and be like, oh, he's a you know farmer or whatever. He's like a redneck or something. But but no, like you're uh, you're involved in minority groups. Um, you kind of like you're more, um, you know, like you're willing to listen to people of other ideals or whatever different lifestyles yeah. you know you're uh um like you said more that common sense approach um you know i feel like you might be the type of guy who um since you're a lot of it's coming from the outside as a business owner and stuff like that um like you're willing to talk to people from across the aisle or whatever and yeah. do stuff that like makes sense not just like always toe the party line and i think that's important too i mean um you know obviously most of the time what i you know, align with this kind of traditional Republican values and stuff like that. But there are some times where, you know, Republicans get it wrong or whatever, you know. And um, I think we yeah. need people who are willing to, like I said, look at it from a common sense perspective. So is that kind of something that's important to you? Yeah, yeah, very, uh, very important. Like, even when I did the political stuff and talked to the consultants, I was like, man, I can't be a politician. I'm not a politician. Yeah, you got to be true to who you are. Um, you know, and I... I I'm probably not the easiest to work with, so I appreciate Lauren and, and Jimmy always working with me. They did Daniel Gade's uh, uh, Senate run when he ran for U.S. Senate against Warner, but uh, and they do a bunch of other stuff. It's it's just you know for me, I, I, I talked to the Virginia Caucus, you know, for state Senate, and um, you know Mark Obeshays, who who was who's my state senator right now. So kind of like when you're going back to that question, like why did I run? Well. But honest with you, I never thought I would be able to because I got Mark Obeshay and then I got Todd Gilbert, and Todd Gilbert's <laughs> yeah. the Speaker of the House. So there's, you know, was zero opportunity for Robert, you know, to jump unless one of those guys ever retired. And it's not that I still, you know, wanted to do it. It's just it's something that I feel, you know, I, I'm willing to put the, you know, the one or two terms in to yeah. full capacity to. Was it a recent thing where you kind of decided you want to do it, or have you thought about wanting to do it for a while? You know, growing up, I was always, you know, if you want something done right, do it yourself kind of attitude. Yeah. That's how you don't work, you don't eat. Um, that's kind of what I wanted to instill in the children. But no, it's just uh, after my daughter, she's five, we're homeschooling her this year just to see how it goes. Because, um, you know, public school can be scary. Dude, um, <laughs> I, I cannot put my kids in public school right now. And it's, They're teaching kindergartners, like, about picking your own gender. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's too much. Like, it's too much. My, my plat main platform issues were basic life skills back in class. However you want to cut it, we need gun safety. We need gun education. We need mental health practices. We need to teach kids, you know, just common practices. If, the, if, if from teaching, I teach Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, I got two studios, but to, for for me to teach kids is like you have to have an end game and and you have to be able to apply it. So if we're teaching math, they need to apply it to a checkbook, or they need yeah. to apply it to basic basic life skills that they're going to. I wish I knew about tax preparation. Yeah, because when my father died, I was 22. I didn't know nothing about taxes because he claimed me because I was going to college. Yeah, and 
that's just the way it was and i was thrown into this fire so that's kind of my life experiences and and by no means i'm very blessed in many ways but i've also went through you know your own tragedy tragedies which most people do anyway but i feel like you know how can i make it better for the next person or the next generation so we really need to get our schools straight and yeah. uh, i know yonkin you know they ran on that parents choice but it's not over with like by, by no means the uh, our, our Virginia is contradicted by, you know, obviously they're not technically a union here, but it is a teacher's union. And, you know, they are primarily Democrat and they are primarily focused on and pronouns and all this, all this yeah. stuff these kids do not need to know. Right. It, you know, CRT, they said, well, it's not CRT. They just change it like social studies for us. Like it was a different, they just changed the name of a different type of history program. Yeah. And... Uh, if we're just, you know, being honest with each other, we just, I don't know, the kid, poor kids don't stand a chance. They need to, you know, teach that you don't work, you don't eat mentality. That's why, I, I mean, I thoroughly believe why we don't have the workforce we do that we need right now because there's a job shortage or, yeah. or worker shortage. It's because these kids don't, you know, they, they haven't been taught a value. You've been coddled. Like, it's okay if your feelings are hurt, you don't have to work. Yeah. Nah, it's just not the way, <laughs> way it is in the real world. So yeah. I think if we can prepare our kids to be lions instead of sheep. Yeah, it's um, good. That's kind of a good good motto to, yeah. to, to live by. And even teaching something as simple as hunting skills is, I think, a step in the right direction. So, I mean, that's that's cool, you know? Yeah, they got to know where their food comes from. They got to yeah. know where how to provide for themselves. Like, yeah. okay, we might not be able to, but you can always go out west, and there's going to be plenty of animals yeah. to, to hunt at the very least. Yeah. And Or just to know that, like, your food doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't come from a little package from the store. No. Like, somebody had to kill it, and, you know, um, all that stuff. I mean, you know, people might say, oh, it's just hunting, but it... it, it it adds up to um, some real life values, you know. Oh, you put value behind, you know. I, I don't really, you know, and it gets to the point where I'm at a stage of hunting as well. I know, I, you know, follow Cam and them. He he's the same kind of has that philosophy where he doesn't really enjoy the kill. And I don't really get too wrapped up in when I harvest the animal, other than I'm just more. I guess as we get older, we appreciate like growing up on the farm. Now, like when I drive into my house i'm like it's just gorgeous yeah you, know, you get to a point where you you feel feel at home same thing with animals when i harvest that animal i'm so blessed that i was able to yeah to make an ethical kill and and get that animal and get get that uh you know i enjoy feeding people i enjoy yeah. you know having meat for myself and then i give you know most of my friends that won't go hunting a bunch of crap for me having to give them deer <laughs> meat or the yeah. the the deer jerky when the deer jerky comes off you're everybody's best friend oh of I course think yeah. you know that uh, everyone who like doesn't hunt always talks about deer jerky yeah it's like i mean okay don't get me wrong i love deer jerky but like my my wife and my mother-in-law cook wild game so good yeah like, i don't even want to waste it on jerky i'm like no <laughs> yeah same here um yeah they're like they literally take stuff i used to leave on my gut piles and make it like amazing yeah, like they will take a spine after it's been cleaned. I mean, cleaned, and then cook. I'll cut the spine in thirds, and they'll um, put it in a you know a instant pot. Yeah, and um, and cook, do some magic to it, and then it's just you just like scrape all the stuff that your knife couldn't really get off that spine bone, and yeah. it's like the most 
tender, just nice. delicious meat, or like even the ribs. We had ribs the other like deer ribs the yep. other night. Um, so good, but and yeah, like I love it too, man. Just I just I get satisfaction, of course, not only eating the meat myself, but you know, looking at my my little three year old girl is probably eating more deer meat than most you know, 90% of adults, yeah. you know, like she's been it. eating deer meat since she was a kid. When I called my son from Wyoming after I shot my antelope, the first thing he said was, I wonder what antelope meat tastes like. <laughs> and then I took him dove hunting the other day and um, he was excited to get home. We cleaned the doves and awesome. him and his uh, little sister ate dove for dinner. And like just oh, wow. that, just teaching them that and, and me as a dad seeing like um, providing meat, like having fun and doing something I love, but yeah. also providing meat that is, delicious and very healthy like, yeah it's awesome well that and your, your memory you're, you're always exactly, gonna have yeah. that memory of you and your so that's son how my dad took me it started me hunting just taking me dove hunting you know yeah and so it's really cool to bring that full circle man um i know we we you kind of mentioned it a little bit too but um is uh is your faith a, a part of your life and in, in terms of how you kind of carry yourself day to day because i know you got like a or a strong you know moral compass and a desire to help people um where does that come from I don't know, probably, you know, my, my great-grandmother, uh, you know, we, where she lived, I, I was raised by her till I was like nine, so like, okay. that was my babysitter after, yeah. you know, and that, that's how she was, she was always out and about in the community, little and next to nothing, you know, it, you know they, they grew up poor farmers, Yeah. and then she worked for the National Forest cleaning the bathrooms at Elizabeth mm. Furnace and all these other uh, forced access stuff up, up till she died. She she worked till she was 80, 86 years old. No. Her, her sis, uh, half-sister and uh, uh, stepsister, they walked across like it was w w eerie picture. They took a picture of them, but they were in their 70s hiking Milford Gap over yeah. to Fort Valley <laughs> wow. with a little knapsack on their shoulders doing what they did when they were, you know, little girls That's in awesome. the valley. <clears throat> but uh, the but the way they took the picture is all the order they passed away in. But it was uh, hmm. but just it, she was always on the go. Um, you know, probably the the kindest woman you ever meet. Uh, you know, Christian based. We don't go to church very often. And I, you know, it, it. I I feel my outdoors is my church, and you know I do occasionally make service when I can at certain churches, and I just like enjoy. I just enjoy going different. Uh, yeah different different churches and meeting different people and seeing how they you know they practice but we're we're primarily a primitive baptist uh yeah upbringing. i mean going to church doesn't really it's for me it's more about like your personal spiritual connection to yeah. god or whatever you know what i mean church is good but that doesn't like make or break your spirituality yeah. and i and just growing up with family members that are catholic or other you know you know they're they're on time <laughs> yeah. every time. Yeah. So if they miss a mass, they're going to make it up or, or, or scramble to do stuff like that. But uh, for her, it was just once a month. They would go to church uh, first Sunday of every month because you're a farmer. Yeah. You ain't got time. To, you know, you're, yeah. you're missing time in the fields. For you're sure. missing time, uh, valuable work time. Yeah. So um, kind of just just her. She was the first. Uh, she stole. She sold Stanley goods. I don't know if people are familiar, but. The, it's like a little homemaker thing. They'd ride around and sell stuff. Okay. But she would sell to like the black community, and I mean, we would. I just grew up with a saint and a role model like no other. So like she she would go up, and they all know Miss Guy, and and she was just a. Um, but that's kind of where my my compass comes from. I just I don't know that, and then my 4-H leader. It's just always the people that have the less give the most. Yeah. And that's kind of. 
you know, it's not like I'm some, you know, billionaire, millionaire guy out here. Just, I'm always, a, I'm on, my mind thinks is I, I can give you my last $20 because I know I can make it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just to kind of give my shirt off my back. To, yeah. So not a poverty mindset. It's like a, what is it? I guess a hustle in my <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, but no, it's just, uh, that's kind of where it is. I'm by, by no means no perfect saint or, um, we, I think we always try to improve day by day. Yeah. I think jujitsu helped with that too. That guy was a little wilder when my, my younger days. Yeah. So, and I'm probably still a little wild for most, but, uh, we still have, uh, you know, the, the, the times change and definitely jujitsu saved my life. I attribute that to a lot of, uh, that's kind of my church <laughs> and that's my network. I met, you know, I got friends that are Muslim. I got, uh, and I consider these guys family, like, and you know, that's why I know it's not as bad as the media always puts it out with, For sure, yeah. you know, I have, I mean, they make money off fear mongering yeah, and incite creating division, division, <laughs> incite fear to create votes Yeah, that both sides do it. Yeah. Um, I don't even watch that garbage. Either Fox or CNN. I don't watch any of it. No, no. I just occasionally catch whatever's on Instagram when I'm yeah. scrolling through. Sometimes it's comical. <laughs> uh, the Martha Vineyard's really funny right now. Go, go Santos for <laughs> sending Martha's Vineyard some immigrants. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. Well, yeah, that's cool, man. I had a really awesome, like, saint of a grandmother myself, too. So that's... That's pretty cool, man. Like she was, uh, she was an alcoholic when my dad was young. Yeah. Um, but then got sober and was just like the best human like in the world. I can't. I still have like her little. Um, I think it's right here. Yeah. This is her. Um, this is an AA book yep, called Twenty Four Hours a Day. You can see it's just completely like destroyed. But this is her book that wow. I still I still read it every day too. Um, just she was an awesome lady. But but yeah, man, that's cool. So. Um, just the last thing before we kind of wrap it up here. I know you just got back from hunting out west and got a couple more hunts. Uh, what, what, what's left on the schedule for you this fall? Yeah, as so, far as hunts. So, yeah, we got back from Hayden, Colorado, hunted with Tom out there at Hooker Mountain. Outfitters, I'm always looking around that. <clears throat> I don't, you know, it's kind of like you were always researching. Oh, yeah. The, I'm already the, looking at 23, man. Yeah, same here. <laughs> so, I'm like, I'm already booked in for him for next year. Uh, it was just opportunity to have a really cool arch archery hunt. Wasn't me, you know, he'll tell you like, you're coming out here to kill a trophy. We ain't the place. But, uh, I did see some really nice six by six, 300 class inch bulls that just, just, you know, 102 yards wasn't, wasn't ethical yeah. to take that shot. Nor I thought, I also thought I could call them in a little bit closer, but, <laughs> uh, it's elk hunting. Uh, friends killed harvest their first, uh, elk, which was cool to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, Ryan's like my brother and then his his two buddies from West Virginia from Fayetteville they came down and um, they all got shots on one two harvest the other one got away went on another property so yeah now up next is I'm, I'm gonna go out to my buddy uh, Jacobs shoot one with the rifle okay out there in the outside Hudson it's more of a preserve I would say but uh, they've done a really good job at reclaiming the grassland mm -hmm. that was their main mission of their property on the 7,000 acres and then they were going to expand that. And yeah. they, they put a self-populating buffalo herd on their property. Oh, too. Nice. So they do these crazy little vintage-looking buffalo hunts on an 1888 stagecoach <laughs> with a horse. And you can dress up and look like you're... Shoot with a sharp yeah, rifle. Yeah, you, they do. They shoot them with sharps. And they shoot them with uh, you know, their 4570s or 4500s and stuff like that. That's funny. It's super awesome. Yeah. 
Um, and then uh, my big one, I lucked out. I'm a lifetime member of Muley Fanatics. There's, that's a great group. They have a Blue Ridge chapter where I'm at. And I went to the banquet, signed up for lifetime membership. I want to, it's a great group because I want a bunch of stuff so far. <laughs> so I want to, I want the CVA uh, Optima, uh, you know, $700 CVA muzzleloader, nice. which I do have a, I'm a night guy. So I shoot a Mountaineer night that's, you know, I spent twelve hundred bucks on just for Elcon. Yeah, for say. I need to get my muzzleloader game up to par this all season. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, and then so I, I won this. Uh, they do these raffles for, you know, reestablishing the 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 mule deer population, which is devastated in Wyoming compared to what you know Wyoming was the mecca of yeah shooting big mule deer. So they've had those issues. So they. Uh, Muley Fanatics have contributed to doing overpasses for animal overpasses. They yeah. do research on um, helping the mule deer population, not only in Wyoming, but all over. And they do some great work with uh, getting these uh, youth hunts and disability hunts for these kids. I mean, it's just, it's a great, great organization. Um, but I want a uh, commissioner's tag for Wyoming oh, to hunt any, any, any unit in the state. So it's any unit, any species, any season, right? Or yeah, yeah, any season. You can uh, so you your, can literally you have like a blank check to hunt Wyoming. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, any prong <laughs> except it wasn't a buffalo tag. So, okay. <laughs> so you can hunt mule deer, elk, or uh, pronghorn. I'm an elk kind of guy. Yeah, um, and that and everyone I talk to, the elk tag is you know right at the moment it's the the one to do. Yeah. So I'm doing unit uh, unit fifty. I think it's a unit fifty six type one. Hunt. Oh, you're dropping unit numbers. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That, well, there's only 10 of those uh, tags they give out for that unit. Wow, so, so it's not like people... It's 100% <laughs> success rate. It's a winter hunt in November. Oh, wow. Um, Yellowstone Outfitters with Brandon, I'm going out. Um, it's it's hunting that migratory herd coming off Yellowstone. And, wow, that's going to be You sweet. know, originally I was going to go with like the Elk Mountain, Laramie Peaks area because I like those guys. They're uh, farmer. Like northeast Wyoming? Or is that south southeast? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Laramie Peak. So, it, it it's a shorter drive time by by a lot, but uh, hunting something the once in a lifetime probably I'll yeah. probably never get to ever hunt that unit again. Yeah, yeah. To be real, for sure, yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, you know when they're throwing out three seventy and up class animals, it, that piques your interest a lot. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna do that. It's gonna see my big big buck get on a horse. Uh, I haven't been on a horse for a few years, so I might hit a. Buddy's friend, family friend owns this uh, horse breaking farm out there in Marshall. So okay, maybe I'll get out there and get on a horse and get refamiliarized. Yeah, dude, that's gonna be epic, man. It's in November. It's a November hunt, snow, and it's kind of you couldn't beat the accommodations. It's gonna be you know they got an Airbnb cabin up there for us. We're gonna do you know about six eight miles every day on horseback, and it's just gonna be him, his wife, and two other guides, and it's just gonna be me. Oh, and hopefully someone will. Uh, film it <laughs> it's the name of the game yeah um but now i'm really excited about that hunt and you know you know might might get a nice you know never know you might get that coveted 400 inch yeah dude uh, that's elk. amazing they've killed him you know he's they've killed a few 400 inchers and um it's just a wild unit if you look it up like obviously i've looked up you know you're looking up units and it, it i spent like a good solid 24 hours of screen yeah. time like where to go and not yeah, the yeah. oasis tag so i think yellowstone just was calling me you know this uh, it's For you're sure. hunting you're hunting right outside cody and i don't know and, and it's kind of weird because i found these the, the yellowstone outfitters and that's who 
uh, most of the guys with the Muley Fanatics that they use that same outfit. Okay. <laughs> and I didn't even know. Nice. So that's, that's awesome, man. Pretty cool. But that's what I got going on out, out west. I think uh, my my new goal was, you know, obviously running for office will throw some some curveballs at me if I, if I do get elected. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of like you. I wanted to get more something yeah. new. I'm always hunted, you know, mountain bucks and Shenandoah yeah. Valley. The new adventure. So it's a new new adventure, new aspect. I do a lot of turkey hunting too. So we're going to hunt Osceola's in the spring. Oh, cool. So I got that hunt already booked, and then we're looking for. Uh, if any of your listeners out there, I know you Western states were looking for some Marion hunting to do uh, this following year to book up. So always looking for suggestions or, or and and if you got any connections as well. Yeah. Kind, kind of looking at South Dakota. We looked at going further to Wyoming to hunt those birds, but uh, nice. we're open for for that that hunt for booking the following year. I had a couple of friends that have done like the turkey slam. Yeah, and, like done that like one down like the Yucatan Peninsula, that like oh, crazy looking yeah, like the green gu- one. The, the Gouliad. Yeah. The 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 ghouls, then you got ghouls in uh, Mexico, and then you hunt the tropical yeah. one, the world slam. I got a buddy named Ryan Bassham you should link up with. He's a hunt consultant. He can okay. find you anything, anywhere. Nice. He's, he's killed, like, hundreds of waterfowl species. He's done, like, the <laughs> Kyrgyzstan, you know, oh, Ibex. Like, yeah, he's done everything. That's crazy. You should talk to that guy. Um, that's cool, man. So if you do get elected, um, you think you'll be able to do anything with uh, helping uh, get more elk in Virginia? More so that, tags. That, I, I'm already I'm already working that right now. That uh, I pitched it at the the events at the homestead there. Everybody liked it. I know they got to do a little more numbers, but it so would, the idea would be to bring you know to bring some more elk in, not only to reestablish a once thriving herd, but also to bring in some revenue for Virginia DWR. Yep. And uh, Re- revenue to get back into you know another mission. Like I, I've been on a. Uh, few different stuff but like even when i was on theo vaughn podcast he let me talk about you know my thing is save virginia small farmers i'm a farmer how do we create just be creative as a farmer we got to be creative to make mm-hmm. money and yeah. like, to not only just for us even just like rural communities like it's it's hard to <laughs> sustain you it know, is. the economy of rural communities this would be another thing with like guys outfitters you know even um, stores will flourish stores, you, you yeah. know people are going to be shopping restaurants will be able to provide mm-hmm. it just creates a, a another a- aspect of tourism that we're not really capitalizing in yeah you know i had a I have a, a plan and <laughs> got some wishful thinking but if if we can get like congressman klein and he's he's behind this stuff too if we can actually put put the pin like I, i'd like to start doing you know obviously introduce an elk in highland and bath county just because Highland and Bath County is, or Highland County is 25,000, 2,500 people living in the entire county. A lot of national forest. And then the private land, the farmers that are left there, you know, they're, it's not cropland as much. So it's not going to damage. Yeah. If, if we put, say, I started with 50 cows, 25 bulls, you know, you're going to be under that 700, probably million dollar investment on these animals. And you're going to get good quality 300 inch genetics bulls there. Yeah. Go ahead. The first five, the first year you get them acclimated, do five auction, auction off five tags for that hunt for bulls. Not all five are probably going to get killed, but if they do, and you allow them to go with maybe uh, uh, you know some places use the game wardens or yeah. or some type of guide that or biologist preferably yeah. to help you go out and hunt these five hunts, and then from there you just let them self populate. And it's just gnarly. It's yeah. you know thick mountaintop, straight up and down. Yeah. 
you know. If you if you don't know, if you're listening, this this year Virginia um, first draw, first ever elk draw in Southwest Virginia. I think five tags were yep. um, given out. We didn't um, get one. I didn't get one. I was <laughs> watching the thing like, come on, please. Uh, hopefully one day I'll, one day hopefully, you know, we will oh. both eventually get to hunt elk in Virginia, which would just be so epic. But, um, so, but as a landowner, like you, you can't just like buy a bunch of elk and just let them go, can you? No, 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 no. no. Virginia <laughs> would get very upset with that. Um, <laughs> so, so we were doing that. But then, would you, if, they, if you got approved, would you ever like release elk on your land? Almost definitely. Yeah. I think the the you know the selling point is obviously I, I got George Rush National property behind me. Yeah, it would be awesome to have an elk herd there, and it's not feasible because uh, unfortunately that I'm a cutoff area where it's CWD. So okay. game biologists would probably have a a I'm minor sure yeah a, a <laughs> blow their head up because you just dump million uh, half a million dollars worth of elk in a yeah. chronic wasting disease area, but. Wyoming has it. All this whole entire state has it. it. It's it's out there. It it is what it is. We're living with it. I don't think it's near as bad as they put it off to be. No, I mean they've been they've been people making a huge deal of CWD for like twenty years. And and how many people eat elk and other wild game from Wyoming? Yeah, it's, it's, it it is what it it's is. Just another thing to deal with. Um, but yeah, let's get some elk back here. I, I got another draw thing I want to do. Why can't we do some archery hunts on the Shenandoah National Park? You have the whole, you know, especially early season, you have what we call leafers when you guys yeah. come out to see the foliage, uh, foliage of the, the leaves there on Skyline Drive. They, there's no reason you can't put, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to lend, I know you probably helped lend your service to oh, yeah. map out a, uh, bow areas, but yeah. if you did archery only up there, yeah. there's, I mean, there's and two bear hunt. There's 200 inch bucks you can ride up there on Skyline Drive regularly, and you'll see 180 class or bigger whitetails. I know when I was driving up there the other day, I was going on a training hike the other day. And my app, my maps took me to the wrong spot. I was trying to go to Mount Marshall Trail, mm -hmm. but like the not the Skyline Drive entrance, the one down below. But anyway, it, my maps took me up on Skyline Drive and this was like 6.30 in the morning. It was just deer everywhere, like yeah. on the road, just everywhere. Well, like they killed the Browntown Bruiser was one of the non-typical state records for a little bit, but it was killed in Browntown right up from me. Mm -hmm. All off the park. Yeah. And you're talking, I think it was like a, there was a boy that killed one over in Browntown a few years ago that I think scored 180 um local local kid and it was like a 32 pointer like, you know they got they have genetics they have these giant white tail that live up there they already have poachers going up there shooting them with crossbows and yeah night vision stuff so like let's just you know yeah just it, regulate it regulate it make money let the virginia department run it because that's pretty much how any game is run on federal property as well they kind of just let them do whatever yeah. but i think if they put some motions into this i think and they do it out west a lot where they allow these quota hunts and stuff but man skyline drive yeah that'd be a sick hunt you could you you have it all the way to stanton mm -hmm. and you can just do it up right i mean i would you know you you would easily get someone would pay two to three grand if they knew they could hunt a whole a whole season or if you put it where you put a draw in yeah and everybody applies to it for a hundred bucks or something I yeah. mean, you're going to create millions of dollars of revenue and then just like we talked people out of state come in here they're going to stay at hotels they're going to spend mm -hmm. money in the communities yep but a whole lot of land to, to hunt that's prime and yeah it is they don't do it <laughs>
Well, that's cool, man. Well, yeah, hopefully we can link up and do some stuff in the future together and continue to, to stay in touch or anything. So probably call it here. Is anything you want to say kind of at the end here? Nah, man. I'm excited to make it down here and bring your, uh, your hearing protection. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't work too well. You left your... Uh, it's like, man, I looked back and I was like, man, he's probably going to need those. <laughs> I know. Point. I left my, uh, my ears at his place <laughs> when we were shooting, but I had some extras. But that's all right. It gave me an excuse to get you out here. Yeah, no, it was a great, great time being out here. Look forward to having, uh, maybe doing some footage, getting you out on the, yeah, getting you out on the farm. Maybe bring the the kids out, let them shoot some yeah, stuff. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. That'd um, be cool. We got, yeah, fishing, and hunting. And, yeah. yeah, awesome, dude. All right, well, thanks, thanks again, brother. Yeah, thank you. All right. All right.